story of a season. He's all by himself, fires into the end zone, caught, touchdown! Here's your host, Truman Chose. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale on 101.7 FM. Hey, I'm Truman Chose. Welcome to Story of a Season. Uh, I am super pumped for this upcoming semester. We'll be revamping the show a little bit. Last year, I just did a five-minute show that was a sort of look at the historical NFL. Uh, This year, I'll be commentating on uh, current NFL events. And I wanted to do it from a particular lens of uh, how lucky a team is or was a given fourth down decision that a coach made a good idea. We'll be doing some power rankings and game picks uh, alongside all that. Uh, Just as background, I used to hate the NFL uh, well into my teenage years. Uh, Eventually, I decided, you know, for social reasons, it's probably good to be able to just talk about football sometimes. Uh, I'm at the point of hosting a radio show on it, and what drew myself to it was the idea of stats and being able to just look at numbers and understand football from that lens, and I'd like to share that as much as possible. Uh, Hopefully, this doesn't only appeal to my particular robotic, robotic nerd brain. Uh, So what I mean by stats, probability, and luck, that sort of thing, is I want to use stats to look back in the past and see if a play was a good idea from a coaching perspective, Uh, like, say, a fourth down decision or a two-point conversion. Uh, And then I also want to look ahead and see if we can try and figure out, okay, what teams are going to do well in the future. Um, And I'd like to keep in mind that... I think luck plays a larger role in sports and in life than we generally want to acknowledge. So my hope is that this will help you to both see football from a more critical mathematical lens. I don't want to take away your enjoyment of the game, but just I want to add to it. And I also want to give perspective on life from the lens of football and show you just how much luck can impact both. So obviously the NFL season doesn't start for a couple weeks, so I've got some filler uh, shows we got to do. So this week, as an introduction, I wanted to spend some time looking at some of the sort of underlying guiding principles that I will be looking at football this season, and also just bring up some specific stats that I might bring up from from time to time throughout the course of the show. Uh, hopefully, this isn't too numbersy. I don't think it will be. I hope this is more of a philosophical episode to some extent. Uh, I believe that stats can actually be very interesting to look at. Just want to try and spread that as much as possible. I should also note that I did not make up any of these terms or ideas up. Um, Football statistics is a very deep field, and I'm especially indebted to the website Football Outsiders, edited by Aaron Schatz, and also the writer Bill Barnwell of Grantland and ESPN. Um, If you're interested in, in any of their work, I would highly recommend it. So, first of all, I said I wanted to judge football decisions by the information that the coach had at the time, not by what the end result was. Because I think oftentimes we can go back and say, oh, you know, that, that coach, why did he make that decision? Why, why did Belichick go for it? It didn't work out. Um, that's always the key phrase is that it didn't work. Not, okay, at the time, could that have worked? 
is it reasonable that someone could look at it and go, yeah, that was a good decision. So let's use a real-life example to illustrate this. Uh, if you remember a couple of years ago, the Browns somehow, by God's mercy, made the playoffs. They uh, made a surprise playoff run. They even beat the Steelers in Heinz Field. And then in the divisional round, they were facing the Chiefs in Kansas City, uh, hoping to pull off an upset. The Chiefs jumped out to an early lead. If you remember, Patrick Mahomes uh, got knocked out of the game fairly early, I think around halftime. Uh, so the Browns were able to get close enough to try and pull off a comeback. And in the final minutes of the fourth quarter, it got to the point where the Chiefs only led by five. And they did have the ability to seal the game. Um, they had a third and 14. So this meant that the fill-in backup quarterback, Chad Henney, uh, the game was on his shoulders. He scrambled. He got 13 yards. Uh, but that meant the Chiefs had a fourth down and just some – it was fourth in inches. Uh, so most people would say, you've got – Chad Henney at quarterback, why would you even try and win the game at this point? Uh, just punt, trust your defense. I know there's a couple minutes left, but hopefully the Browns don't do anything big. And that is what announcer Tony Romo assumed would happen, especially after Henney lined up in shotgun formation, and then something else happened instead. They put Henney in the gun. Walk up, pretend like you're going to go ahead and quarterback sneak it, motion him back, try and draw him off sides, and then take a timeout. You walk up there and say, no play, everybody. Don't jump. There's no play. Just look at the body language. Oh, there is a play. Henny rolling out, throws it. That came courtesy of CBS Sports uh, with announcers Jim Nance and Tony Romo. So after the game, it wasn't just Tony Romo saying that. Pretty much everyone loved Andy Reid's play call. It was generally well-received. People loved the gutsy decision, uh, the courage it took. But what if it had failed? What what would the reaction have been? So probably he would have just been called an idiot who was getting too cocky. Uh, too caught up in his intricate play designs and thinking that he could fool the opposing defense. So just imagine what the talk shows, Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless would have been saying the next day, or just the water cooler talk at work, uh, just talking with your friends, especially if the Browns had gone on to win, upset the Chiefs, go to the AFC Championship. Uh, probably everyone would be calling Andy Reid just a moron. Uh, my dad, Chiefs fan, uh, he is always constantly demanding Andy Reid be fired, and I bet this would have just added, added uh, fuel to that fire. But going into the play, there are several variables that we just don't know. We don't know, you know, is Tyreek Hill going to trip? Is Chad Henney going to underthrow it? Or is an offensive lineman just not going to do his job and allow a sack? Uh, beforehand, we can only estimate probabilities of what we think might happen. And so we need to make our best judgment on based on the information available. So we shouldn't judge decisions based solely on what actually happened. We also need to look at what did the coach know going in, going into that situation. So just to give this a reference point to real life, you know, maybe you legitimately thought you were making a good decision on, you know, a job you took, but bad luck happens. That happens to everyone. And it just didn't turn out how you wanted. So I just want to keep this in perspective. 
of we need to look at what was known at the time, not just judge only on what actually happened. Secondly, I want to use the most pertinent information possible to predict results in the future and as much of it as possible and not overreact too much to one game or one play. So I brought up the 2020 Chiefs not only for that specific game and play, but also because they're a good illustration of this principle. Uh, The takeaway about the game and what it meant for Andy Reid's coaching decisions was essentially decided by a single play instead of looking at the game as a whole. There are dozens of plays in a football game. Um, A team can do fairly well on eight dozen and then fail on one and suddenly the game is ruined. And that is what sticks in everyone's mind is that one play. Now think about just how many games there are uh, that have a single play that shapes the perspective of the game. And now think about, you know, how many games are there over the course of a 16 or 17 game season? Uh, There are quite a few that are often pretty close. Uh, So in assessing the regular season, we often have just a handful of plays that kind of shape how we view uh, the end result of a team season. Uh, And when we assess the end result of the ultimate goal, the playoffs, did you win the Super Bowl? It is only the final game that determines if a team is a failure or a success. So, you know, there's only really one team a year that is actually a success. In the end, one team was the Super Bowl. This year this year it happened to be the Rams. Uh, so by that metric, you know, every other team failed, te- technically speaking. So over the course of the season, um, that adds up to be quite a bit that could be lucky or unlucky for a team, depending on how it broke for them. So I'm not saying that we can't look to the past and say, you know, that team won a number of close games, which is impressive. Ultimately, a win is a win. There aren't any moral victories in the NFL. But if we are not trying to describe and assess the past, but we are trying to predict the future, predict future results, predict what teams are going to be good moving forward, uh, we want to move past just relying on a handful of close plays that stick in our head and we want to look at as much information as possible just as a broad whole. So uh, going back to the Chiefs in 2020, they went 14-1 and before they rested their starters in Week 17. Obviously pretty impressive, 14 out of 15 games won, um, no matter how it's done. You know, thumbs up, great job. Uh, after they beat the Saints late in the season... Uh, The website The Ringer published an article by Kalen Jones titled Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs remain the NFL's only sure team. Uh, The subtitle was in beating the Chiefs on Sunday, the Chiefs showed their inevitability and that there's a pretty big gap between them and the rest of the NFL. So quoting from the rest of the article, quote, in a season where individual performances have varied, games and lineups have been reshuffled, and results have been unpredictable, the Kansas City Chiefs remain the NFL's only sure thing. The Chiefs are, unequivocally, a step above the rest of the league, and their 32-29 victory over the Saints on Sunday afternoon affirmed as much. New Orleans did several things right on Sunday, as Sean Payton and company developed a formula that would have been enough to earn a win against just about any other team. But against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, it wasn't. Without a fully healthy Drew Brees behind center and Michael Thomas out wide, New Orleans didn't engineer enough offense to match its defense's stellar play. And with Kansas City now a step closer to clinching the AFC's number one seed, it's unclear whether Andy Reid's squad will face an opponent good enough to bring them down over the rest of this season. Unquote. 
So the reason I bring this up is because it's an example of how, as sports fans, myself included, uh, sometimes we tend to put certain teams on a pedestal, not just as a very good team, but as unbeatable or, as they put it, inevitable. Uh, but if you go back at the season, the Chiefs had lost already that year to the not very good Raiders. So we knew, yes, someone can beat them. Additionally, if you look at their last seven games prior to resting their starters that they had that season, uh, so first the Chiefs barely beat the mediocre Panthers at home after trailing at halftime. They had to score a last-minute touchdown to beat the Raiders, finally. Uh, they beat the Buccaneers by three. They did lead for most of the game, but it was fairly close. Uh, next, they beat the not-very-good Broncos at home by six, uh, again, after trailing at halftime. Then they beat the Dolphins by six. That's probably their strongest win uh, in that time span. They did lead handily throughout most of the game. Uh, then they beat the Saints in the game we just talked about. And then lastly, they faced the 4-11 and Falcons at home and beat them on a very late touchdown uh, after they had trailed with two minutes to go. Later, the Falcons tried to line up for a kick to go into overtime, uh, which they missed. Um, so they went 7-0 and in those games. Yes, it's impressive that they won. I am not saying they were a bad team, but it has to be said there are several ways that these games could have been lost had just a couple of things gone wrong. You know, you think about just how a one single play can impact the entire game. So close games should be seen as games that could reasonably go either way. Yes, it's impressive they won. Great job. But if you were to replay that game enough, um, there are plenty of situations where the other team might have won. Uh, additionally, that season, the Chiefs were 6th in points scored and 10th in points allowed. They didn't make the top 5 in either. That is not a team of inevitability if there can be such a thing in reality. Uh, Aaron Schatz, uh, Football Outsiders, was one of the lone voices in the football stat community saying that the Chiefs were not, in fact, inevitable. And it turned out that they weren't when, as you might remember, they lost to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by 22 points in the Super Bowl. So we shouldn't look to this one team as a reason to doubt inevitability. I just use it as an illustration from recent times that is particularly memorable. So my point is that if you were to simulate the season over multiple times, the Chiefs were probably not going to get to 14 wins each time. It is likely that sometimes you know, they, they might be closer to 10 wins, 11 wins, something like that. And further, not only did they lose the Super Bowl, but the next year they also stepped back to 12 wins and 5 losses, which is a respectable record but it suggests that their luck regressed to the mean the next year. So we want to look at as many important data pieces as possible, not just a couple of big flashy plays that stick in our head because they happen to win the game. Uh, bringing this back to life, it's also important to realize that sometimes people may have been a bit lucky in the past. Uh, as writer Nassim Taleb pointed out, do we really want to say that Bill Gates or Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos is the most talented, deserving person to have all of that wealth? Uh, I'm not arguing that they don't deserve their wealth. I'm just saying that obviously they have had some breaks in their lives that went for them to earn those billions. And the same holds true for Super Bowl winners. Each Super Bowl winner had a couple of breaks go their way, which helped them. Again, not saying they don't deserve it. I'm just saying this needs to be kept in perspective. Uh, so with the few minutes remaining, I just wanted to bring up a couple of stats I'll likely be referencing offhand, uh, especially for giving insight into picking future results. Uh, what we've just discussed is closely related to the first stat I want to bring up, point differential. While close wins against good teams are impressive, those games, as I said, could essentially have gone either way. Obviously, if you know, you're playing the Rams and you beat them by three, yes, it's impressive. The Rams are a good team. Wins a win. Great. But a blowout, even against a bad team, is a sign that one team 
definitely played better than the other team throughout the course of the entire game, and it's more unlikely that the other team could have won. So point differential is related to this idea. It's basically taking all the points scored by a team over a season and all the points scored against and taking the difference. Uh, you know, so if a team scores 400 points and uh, their opponents score, I don't know, 260 points against them, their point differential is 140. Uh, if it's higher, then the team has probably had a number of solid wins that imply they're doing quite well and their success is due to more than just uh, some random luck. And in year-over-year analysis, uh, I specifically checked the numbers uh, myself uh, this summer, just to make sure this is right. Point differential is a slightly better predictor of future wins than just wins from the previous season. So if you want to know, okay, what teams are likely to be better the next year, it is actually better to look at point differential than it is to look at the number of wins they just had. So related to point differential is Pythagorean wins. The math is a little bit tricky to explain over radio. Uh, the basic concept is that based on the point differential, we assign a certain number of wins that the team uh, should have had. Uh, again, a win is a win. However, teams that outperform their Pythagorean wins tend to regress the next year, and teams that underperform tend to do better the next year. Uh, this is just saying if we only know a team has this particular point differential, we can guess they'll have about that many wins, roughly speaking. Uh, as an example, 2016, a few years ago, the Raiders won 12 games, surprised the league, uh, but they had a Pythagorean expectation of 8.7 wins, and then the next year, they dropped and only won six. Meanwhile, 2016, the Eagles only won seven games, but they had a positive point differential, would have been expected to have nine wins. Uh, they went on to win the Super Bowl the next year, and the Jaguars only won three games, had an expectation of about six wins, and they made it to the conference championship. Uh, so so those are some real-life examples of how point differential and Pythagorean wins have played out in real life. Again, I am not guaranteeing that if a team underperforms their point differential, then they're going to do better the next year. It, that is just a tendency that has been noted. Um, you you are not guaranteed to have better luck the next year. It's just that we shouldn't expect you to have the same amount of luck as you have in years past. Uh, obviously, those are just based on one metric points. Um, there are some other stats out there which go a little bit deeper, but I just wanted to mention that as kind of a reference point. It's fairly easy to calculate uh, and grasp. Uh, to look at how a team performs on every single play is a bit beyond the scope of this particular show. But there are some people who have, in fact, done this because it is their job, it is their career. The most well-known are probably Football Outsiders, uh, which I have mentioned. They have the metric DVOA, which means Defense Adjusted Value Over Average. It just tracks play-by-play -play for performance and comes up with a percentage of how much better a team has performed than average. Uh, so when looking back at the end of the season, we can say that 10% DVA is usually a sign of a pretty good team. 20% puts you closer to the top tier. Early, early in the season, the numbers are wildly divergent. You could have like a 50% DVOA team. Um, I'll probably reference that offhand a bit. Um, you don't know. You don't have to know what everything means. Uh, just big numbers, generally good. Uh, so there you have it. Point differential, Pythagorean wins, DVOA. There were some other things I wanted to bring up. I will... Uh, instead save that for next week um, and there are going to be plenty of other stats I might reference but that will at least serve as a good starting off point uh, as a final note I just wanted to say I am inevitably going to misread some of the data myself and even if I don't which I will 
Uh, sometimes teams will defy what the math predicts. Um, I am not guaranteeing anything. I am only trying to give us a look at how we can better predict the future and analyze the past. I am not trying to perfectly do it. Only God can do that. Uh, part of the fun of sports is that anything can happen. There can be an underdog story like the Giants beating the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl uh, or the number one seeded Virginia Cavaliers falling to a number 16 seed in the uh, men's NCAA basketball tournament. That is what makes sports beautiful. It's what makes it worth watching. If there were no surprises, uh, then we're just watching a bunch of very athletic people running around on the grass for hours for basically no reason. There would be no point to sports if games were just played on paper. So next week, we'll look at uh, one or two other stats I had wanted to bring up. And we'll then look at what we can expect from teams going into the upcoming season based on some of the stats from last year. So super excited. Uh, to do that. Again, this has been Story of a Season. I'm Truman Chose, and you've been listening on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.